Hello and welcome to the Northern Crime Syndicate podcast with me, your host, A.M. Peacock. But for the purposes of this, you can just call me Adam. Today's co-host is the wonderful Chris McGeorge, King of the Locked Room Mystery. His third novel, Inside Out, is due out later this year. Uh, and some feedback for you, Chris, before we get started. I recommended your second book to a friend of mine and he absolutely loved it. So uh, oh, I'm chalking that up as a win for both you and I. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so so that, that, that was good. And uh, my recommendation stand as being a, a positive thing still. So um, speaking of Chris McGeorge, should you be interested in picking up copies of his books, please do check out the link to Forum Books in the show notes. They are an independent bookstore based in Corbridge. And they have a great selection of titles from across the crime genre and beyond. As ever, please do like, review, share, tell all your friends about this podcast, as without listeners, it doesn't get made. So we do appreciate your ongoing support. And please do keep retweeting that and letting everybody know online about us. The Northern Crime Syndicate has a Facebook page you can like. And we do exist on Twitter as well at at Northern underscore crime. Getting on to our guest for today, um, Vicky Bradley is our guest, and she is a detective constable in the Metropolitan Police Service, currently on a five-year career break while she focuses on writing. She has had a varied career in the police as a uniformed response driver in Brent, and then as a detective in the Southwark CID. She has managed high-risk sex offenders and worked on the Serious Organised Crime Command. Vicky completed a creative writing novel, MA, at City University of London in 2016. Her debut novel, Before I Say I Do, won the Right Here, Right Now competition, came third in the first novel prize, and has been shortlisted for the new Viragor, New Crime Writer and Peter Fraser Dunlop Prize. Uh, Vicky, thank you very much for being on the show today. Thank you for inviting me on. It's great Uh, to be here. Brilliant. Before we get on to important questions like how on earth can somebody negotiate a five-year career break and where do I sort that out... Um, how, tell us a bit about how you know Chris, because you guys do know each other from that course. So maybe start yes. at that course for now and, and talk. Tell us all about what Chris is really like. <laughs> um, yeah, we both started a course. I think it was in 2014, wasn't it? That's where we met. I believe so. Yeah, yeah it feels like a long time now. But um, yeah, it was a master's in creative writing with City London University, and and a little bit older than Chris, maybe a lot older. So I was getting to the point in my life where I thought, I need to do something or I'm never going to make this writing happen. So that's why I did it. And it was uh, it was good fun. And we were actually in the same workshop. Yes. So yeah. We'd go to the pub and have our workshops there. <laughs> I think we were the only group which did that. We were a bit normal. I think so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, we, so, so we actually read... That are both our novels kind of beforehand, didn't we? Yeah. In, uh, in the groups, so they yeah, must have done. Yeah, um, yeah. They must have had like title workshops because before I say I do, if Chris had said my fourth book is called Before I Say I Do, I wouldn't have batted an eyelid because it has that now you see me kind of guess who kind of vibe. <laughs> uh, and I, re- I was going to say I, re- I really do like the title. So, so being in the police, then it didn't put you off kind of wanting to write about crime it was something that you felt 
I mean, obviously it adds something, and I'm sure there's a number of listeners to this show who are thinking I might get in touch with Vicky now and see if she'll be a, a kind of a, an advisor for me with my writing. So you felt that it was kind of, um, you know, fruitful in terms of wanting to write. Yeah, I think, well, I started writing when I was 15, so I've been doing it for a while, like as a hobby, and I wrote a fantasy book first, which I think is quite common, actually. And I think I, I was more into that sort of thing and, and sci-fi and literary books. But then a career in the police, when it came to the masters, I just started writing, I'd started writing a crime book and I didn't mean to, and I'd never really read crime, but I think you just end up, you know, the police becomes such a big part of your life. You can't help but write about anything else. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so going back to those kind of days in terms of fantasy and sci-fi and um, growing up as a child, what was your reading like then? I assume it was that that genre, and kind of how did that help form you as a as a reader and writer in later years? Um, yeah, I did. Um, you know, I read Tolkien, um, all, all things like that, sci-fi, all all the great writers, and I just I never wrote read crime, so I feel really bad. I shouldn't really admit that, should I? But. Um, you know, and all the stuff we used to watch on TV and films, it was in the 80s, it was all sci-fi, I think, Terminator and Aliens. And then I joined the police and I don't know, it's kind of you write what you know, don't you? Yeah. That's how it happened. I didn't mean to. I just, I thought I was going to write the next literary novel, but it didn't, it didn't work out like that. And so what happened to that sci-fi, that fantasy novel then? It's in a drawer and it's locked tight and it is never coming out. I did actually <laughs> send it out and got a lot of rejections and I now look after doing the course I realized actually I love it but nobody else is going to love it okay so you so having because this is the thing some writers go through the course kind of process Chris being one obviously yourself and Trevor Wood in our in the Northern Crime Syndicate was another one who took that route and there are others such as myself um, and Robert Scrag who kind of didn't take that route and we always kind of discuss kind of the, the merits of doing it. So you felt that like you were able to kind of critique your earlier work and, and say, actually, I, I recognise the issues or why this maybe hasn't worked or won't work. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, I, f- I felt like, I feel like I was at the bottom of the class. There's so much I didn't know. And I don't know how I missed it all. Like, points of view, you know, I used to just jump in whatever head I wanted halfway through a paragraph. All, all those silly mistakes. Mm. But... I wasn't in a writing group and no one ever read my work. I was one of those who hid it. So yeah. until I did the masters, I think you don't need to do a masters. It's just, you need other people to read your work and start reading as a writer. And that's when you start to see it. I'd just been reading for fun and writing for fun, I guess. It's not until you take it more seriously, which is people who do it on their own steam, like you, Adam, I don't know how, you know, I admire that because you obviously you've got that brain where you've dissected books, whereas I needed a course to teach me how to do it. Yeah, I think, I, I mean, obviously this podcast isn't isn't about me, but to, to talk about that point for a second, really what was useful for me was, was getting feedback very early. So when I first started writing and doing little short bits of fiction, I had a tutor on a PGCE course who was a writer, and he, he would I would send him stuff because he asked for it. Um, and so that got me used to immediately putting the work out there because I run a writing group in South Shields where I live. And I see, and sometimes when, when people come along, they'll it's a big thing for them because they've never read the work out to anybody before. And I think the longer you don't put your work out there in that forum, the harder it then is 
to do it kind of one day. I don't know for you, Chris, whether the course was that for you as well or whether you were kind of singing in the streets about your, your work and that already. I don't know. Uh, no, it was pretty uh, exactly as, as Vicky said, really. It was the, the most important thing about the course for me was the, the group, the seminars and the kind of reading everyone else's work and, and kind of learning from from other people's work that you read as well and learning from maybe even the mistakes other people make, which you can look back in your own work and say, oh, I made those as well. And so, yeah, I mean, that's that's so important. So, so Vicky, you, you, you've mentioned there, we, we've spoken about you being in the police force. Um, how did that come about? And... It looks like a very well on the face of it, your CV there. It looks, it looks like a very interesting career that you've had, and you've probably seen and seen some things that would like make for for great uh, crime fiction, no doubt. What's that been like, and how did you get into it? Um, I think as a kid, I don't know how, but um, our parents just sort of encouraged us to do anything. Like there were no limits, so I wanted to be a doctor, a pilot, an actress, a writer. <laughs> I wanted to do everything, a police officer. I went to uni and did English literature and then randomly I thought, oh, I really want to do the police. It kept calling to me mm. and that's how, and it's just an exciting career, you know, and it challenges you. You don't know if you can do it until you, you start it. And there's a great camaraderie when you join the police. Mm. I think it's a bit like journalism actually, like you, you go out there and you're seeing these awful things and you're a team and you rely on each other it's life and death and I don't know it was a great career and I do miss it actually on my five-year career break like I've been doing this a year and a half now and I, I do keep thinking oh it's quite lonely writing <laughs> it can be yeah. <laughs> yeah it's quite a gear change really but um yeah I, I do think the police is a great career and you can do so many different things as well like I became a response blue light driver, which was running around, and then, and then I ended up really wanting to be a detective, and that's a lot slower and investigating. It's just such a good career to do, yeah. but it is quite hard. So I think fourteen years, it's quite nice to have a break and step back and recharge and yeah. do something different. I think everyone should just do different things. Mm -hmm. And so, because on that point, then, so obviously, having taken the break while you focus on writing, was it all about focusing on the writing? or Because it sounds to me there that you're kind of saying it, not not burnout necessarily, but kind of just a time to kind of step back and get some perspective on life and, and whatever else you can kind of do. Was it What was the specific kind of reasons there for you in doing that? And for that length of time? Yeah, I think, um, I think I'd always, like, when I did the Masters, I thought if I get a publishing deal, then I should really throw myself into writing and give it a chance. And my husband and my sister really encouraged me because I knew it was a big dream. And I did get a publishing deal. And they were like, right, you, you, I was doing part-time at that point with the police, but it isn't really a part-time job, I found out. Mm. So mm. You end up working rest days, you know, your days off, and getting called to court and things. So I just didn't have the time to do, you know, to get the book ready. So that it was really the book which stopped me from working. But as soon as I stopped, I realised... Yeah, it was getting to the point where I really needed a break. And you don't see it when you're in it, you know. 
it's just you have got all this weight on your shoulders. But I've been doing it since I was 22, and I just didn't realize how you know I, how much lighter I feel now. And you know, it's mm. it's weird. And writing is definitely very therapeutic. Writing the crime books. Yeah. You know, you, you get it off your chest all the things you've seen and done. Because in the first book, there's all the scenes I've been to. You know, and it's just it's cathartic. Which perhaps I don't know if I should admit that, but it's just. <laughs> You know, it's meant to be entertaining as well, but in a way, for me, it's a way of letting go and and moving on. Maybe mm. it seems like a, a very brave decision because I mean, a lot of people. I mean, how many writers do we all probably talk to? Who kind of say the dream is to be able to write, and and that will be my job. Um, but the reality is that 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 can be very difficult to do. And so, do you feel like this is a way of potentially looking at that to see whether that is an option, so that this five year sabbatical, you know. I don't know anybody that you work with is listening, but if let's imagine they aren't, is the honest answer that actually you would want that to kind of extend? Um, well, I originally resigned from the police because okay. I just I didn't think they'd give you a career break to write a book. I just mm. thought, no way. So I resigned, but um, they said, oh, don't resign. Why don't you have a career break instead? And yeah, so they actually quite encouraged sabbaticals in the police because they do recognise people go away and they come back better you know they have a break and then they come back recharge and they want you to see the world a bit a lot of people go abroad work in charities so it's just it's quite a long career so yeah they were very encouraging but I did originally resign so yeah and if it I must admit if it goes well all right and I'm not sure I'll go back I'm not sure it's really difficult I want to do everything but you can't do everything and have you replaced that I was going to say nine to five, but how can it be a nine to five? Have you replaced the nine to five? I put in italics there. With is writing that structured for you? I mean, how do you, how do you write? What's the kind of is it an hour here and there, or are you very much at the desk? Now's writing time. Yeah, like I, I, I don't know how people do it really. Other people, I'm fascinated, but for me, I get up, get ready, have breakfast, sit in front of the computer, and it is kind of nine to five. But I think probably fifty percent of it is. Googling and messing about and trying not to write. You know, like, you know, you sit there and go, oh, I really need to answer that email or I really need to do something else. But, yeah, and I try and read at the end of the day. So I do try and do a structure because I'm kind of used to that, you know, going into an office. I you know, self-motivation, it's so different, isn't it, mm. than going to work. It's such a different skill. So that's been the hardest thing, I think. So I had to put a structure in or I would just... I just wouldn't have done anything. Yeah. So so do you have like a, a daily word count per day or a daily chapter kind of? Yeah. It's, it's like... <laughs> yeah, I think I try and do a thousand words when I'm writing a new book. I mean, it doesn't happen. And some, da- some days you write 1,500 and it's amazing. And other days you write 200 and you hate those words. But I think the idea is sitting there and, and making yourself do it. Because, it, you know, if you only write when you feel good, you're not going to get a book in time, are you? Really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but with editing, I find editing easier because you you can do that for quite a long time, can't you? So I'm editing at the moment, the second book. So I know I sit there nine to five. You get, you get a bit tired, but well, maybe more nine to four, if I'm honest. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, like, you can tick things off, right? Yeah. You know, 
it's, it's easier editing, isn't it? It's hard, but it's easier in a way. I enjoy editing, I have to say. I, I have like modes, I have a writing mode and an editing mode, but I do really like, because I'm a quite, personally, I'm quite a quick writer who doesn't plan. And so there's always a lot of editing to do. So I enjoy getting to that point because I feel like I'm really sculpting something into something that, you know, well, you'd hope works. Um, and I've always enjoyed it. That's just always been how I've worked. Now, are you a plotter or a pantser? Uh, I, I think I'm a plotter. You know, obviously you're making, you know, you're going to get from A to B to C to D. But you mm. don't know how the little bits in between, but I'm definitely a plotter. Like, I'm amazed by people like you, Adam, who just... Not well, freestyle it. We're crying because you have to put all in the red herrings and it gets quite tricksy. Yeah, but I but guess I mean, <laughs> quite a lot of books, haven't you? So you get into the rhythm. Well, well, I think um, with the first book that I did, it was um, <laughs> there was a lot of editing went into that to, I guess, insert red herrings along the way. But sometimes they happen organically. You go, oh, I remember putting that in an earlier chapter, and actually, I can reference that here and kind of put that in there. and so that was, it was a very different process from book two for me because book two was just five months and I just got it done. And it was an amazing process, really. Um, and I never had to relearn anything or think too hard about it because I was just consistently working on it. And uh, book three is somewhere in between the two. So you know, scratching my head about it at the minute, maybe I should plot it a bit more. But uh, it just, like you say, it just depends, doesn't it, on kind of how you're feeling and it's been an odd time for all of us with, with this, I think. So so your book then, before I say I do, when did you start that? Was it on the course? And then how, how did it take shape during the course? What's the kind of process when you do that MA? Yeah, the, the MA was really good because we had to write a, a whole book. It was 80,000 words, Chris, wasn't it, I think? Um, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I think so, yeah. Something like that. Um, yeah. And uh, you, started, you started writing it on the course and... It was a little bit, it was quite difficult because you had to do 10,000 words in a month, I think. So you ended up, it, it was a bit of a mess because you just had to hit the word count and you'd get a bit from the beginning, a bit from the middle. So in a way, I think it was quite a hard way to write a book, but it did make you write a book. Whereas left to my own devices, I'd still be writing it now. Mm. Whereas I need deadlines to get my ass in gear, you know. Yeah. Like I used to do running and I had to do races before I'd put my trainers on. Like I need a goal and that course was brilliant, but it was quite hard because you had to 10,000 and 20,000 on a real tight deadline. Um, so it was a little bit messy and there was a bit of editing to do at the end, quite a bit. So, it took four years actually for me. Yeah. Chris was like our golden child. He did it <laughs> in a year, I think. You got probably so quick. And he's on his fourth book. I'm just a man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so he's the SWAT of the group, was he? Yeah, yeah, he was uh, yeah, he was our success story. And <laughs> we were all like, doing it. Yeah, so, it was really quick off the block. So you enrolled on the course without the idea of what the novel would be, just that you wanted to write one, is that correct? Yeah, well, I, at the time I'd written 30,000 words of a crime book mm -hmm. and I thought, oh, I'll just write that. But when you go on the course, they say, rip up your old ideas and start anew, because they said it always works better. And I was like, what? I've written 30,000 words here. But I actually luckily listened. And then you get ideas when you're on the course and you, you pitch your idea and people go, oh, yeah, that's, I really want to read that. And you go, oh, I better write it then. It was, it was really a good course, you know, and... I think there's, is there four of us published now from that course? 
Um, yeah, I think um, Jenny, me, you, and Fran. Yeah. So, you know, they're obviously are good at teaching. Teaching it, they just accelerate your your writing. It saved me a lot of time. Yeah. And so, did you have to pitch like an an idea or your idea very early doors to the entire group? And what was that like for you? Um. Yeah. Like. Yeah. You just one 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 lesson you had to come up with a you know a three act three act structure of a book, and that's where my book came in. And I was getting married at the time, so mm-hmm. writing a book about a wedding just seemed to make sense. And when you're getting married, and if you're a police officer, you just start planning for the worst case scenario because that's what this is about. So I thought well, the worst thing would be if you just didn't turn up, and not if you ditched me, but I just didn't know what had happened. Yeah, and yeah, so, so you just turn it to your worst nightmare. So give us a bit a more kind of in depth view, of kind of what the book is about. So you've touched upon it there. So what is? I don't want to say give us an elevator pitch because that would invoke panic in me. Somebody said that, but for somebody who doesn't know. Um, tell us about what the book is, is essentially about and where you feel it fits in that kind of crime genre. Um, I, I'd say it's um, a psychological thriller mixed with a police procedural. So I mixed two genres by accident because I didn't know what I was doing. Right. But I think we get rid of it. But um, it's about a bride on her wedding day and she turns up and it's going to be the best day of her life, but it quickly turns into a nightmare because her groom has gone missing and she just doesn't know what what's happened to him and then you know you start to realize that something's gone quite badly wrong and the police investigate and you get a second strand from the detective dc loxton and she starts to realize that julia the bride her her past isn't quite as she's made out Mm -hmm. and it all starts to unravel for julia so it's yeah it's quite a twisty book i think excellent yeah and that and so what was the so obviously you talk about Chris there sort of um, securing the deal before he walked in the class and writing 12 books within a, a week. Um, what was your kind of, um, your journey to publication from getting it done on the course? How did that look and work for you? Um, we sent off an anthology at the end of the two years with all the first three chapters of Axin and I got um, six agents were interested, which was exciting. I think Chris had already got his agent by then and was... The, the anthology was how I got my agent. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. He was... Yeah. And then... Um, so that was encouraging. And I entered some competitions and I kept working on the book. And then I, I won that competition, which was a massive shock. I just didn't think... I had a hope in hell. So I would encourage everybody to enter competitions. But you never know. And uh, that's where I got my agent, Camilla Bolton, and um, the two-book publishing deal with Simon & Schuster. So I just got really lucky, I think. Which is no small publisher, by the way. You know, they're they're all... I mean, DMA, most of us will have heard of Simon & Schuster, even people who don't sort of write, you know? So that's that's a great move for you. Yeah, I was really lucky, you know. And it turns out only 100 people entered the competition. So you never know, you know, one in a hundred odd, that's not bad, is it? No, no, no. You'd imagine thousands of people would have entered. So I think with writers, we're also self-conscious of our work and not sure, but you should just put it out there and Mm. see what happens. And so do you feel like you have a confidence in your writing now or do you suffer from probably what 88 to 89% of writers do, which is just a chronic sort of imposter syndrome? 
that you kind of quite shake off. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely in that 89%. Um, I, uh, I sent my second book to my editor in April mm. and she, she, you know, it's been crazy, hasn't it, for the publishing yeah. industry. And I didn't hear anything really back until July. And I just thought, God, she must be working herself up to say, this is awful. But luckily she loved it. But, you know, I got quite stressed about it. I remember thinking, oh, right, and it can't be as bad as the police for stress. You know, no one's going to die. But somehow it is acting like stress. Yeah. You sit there thinking, oh, my God. What about, so, Chris, what about for you then with with your first book in that kind of similar scenario? I mean... Because I remember feeling really stressed and anxious and found it, and because it was like I didn't, un, I'd never thought that getting a book out was something that was that like that anyone could really do. I thought it was this mystical yeah. thing that was just an impossibility. And when it happened, I remember specifically with book one, just never being able to sit down and quite enjoy. It. I didn't quite believe it. I thought I was going to get the email the next day and say, "Sorry, this is all a big mistake." And with the second book, it was a totally different feeling because I knew what that process was. And, and so what was it like for you um, going through that at the time? Um, yeah, I've, I've been thinking about the whole thing recently, really, because I'm coming up for um, trying to get a new contract and everything. And, uh, you know, it, when you think about it, when obviously when I, when I was growing up and stuff, it's like this mythical thing about getting a book published you know, seeing yourself in Waterstones and stuff. But when you're kind of on the other side of that, it's, there's still, there's so many other things you have to, there's so many other like hurdles you have to get through. And I'm not going to say it's easy to get a book published, but it's, that's not the end. There's always stuff beyond that. Um, So, and there's always going to be, you know stuff to contend with and um you're probably always going to think you're not as good or you, you're probably in the middle you're not as good as you think you are but you're not as bad as you think you are you're in the middle and uh yeah it's just it's a weird weird business yeah. and it's not it's not consistent at all no no and i think no. um i i think that you it's not competitive once you once you, especially once you're there i mean you don't you never really feel competitive with anybody yeah but you sometimes watch the success of others around you and and and, and make it can make a second guess yourself you go well, how come that hasn't happened with me and or kind of what's wrong with my book or my online presence or you know the social media side and, and you're right there's so much to think about and i'm really interested vicky for you because obviously it came out in may is that correct yeah. Yeah. And so, how did that work? Because obviously, we've had lockdown, and there's been we've had a couple of people in the um, uh, Northern Crime Syndicate release books during this time, but none were it. Although Trevor's was a debut, yes. So, so yeah. how was that managed, and and what was that like for you? Because it can't have been plain sailing. Um, in a way, like I don't know what it's like to be published, so it was mm. you know I don't know any better. So in a way. The only thing I really thought was, oh, I'm not going to get my big book launch now. That's a shame. I want my party, really. <laughs> I don't. I didn't really understand the business or the marketing side at all. Mm-hmm. I have a bit of a better idea now, but like, and all the festivals got cancelled. And me and Chris used to go to Crime Fest every year, and it's seeing him be on a panel. It was like he'd, he'd made it, and you kind of look forward to these moments. So it was a bit weird in that way. But then, um, yeah. It was just 
the publishing industry sort of went into a panic, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. Not, Waterstones had put an order in, I think, for my book, but they withdrew it because they weren't open. So just things started to fall apart. And But at the end of the day, it's still exciting because you're getting published. And I just thought, well, just focus on the good bits. You're getting published and maybe people will read more books. I don't know. Yeah. So, so was your... I think if I'd been published before, I think it would have been more of a shock because I would have known what wasn't happening. and Because I'm a bit ignorant, mm. I sort of just drifted through it. And so was you published, did the publisher ever kind of say, oh, we're going to have to think of creative ways or maybe delay this coming out? Because I know some books have been have been delayed and others yeah. have kind of gone ahead and, and brought it out. Was there any discussion around that before a decision was taken? Yeah, I think originally they were going to put it to September, the book. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, I don't know anything about this world. So, yeah, fine. And then Tesco's bought, put an order in for May. So then they sort of went, right, well, we'll just go with May and see what happens. And I was like, oh, okay, I don't know. I don't know anything about this. So you guys know what you're doing, you know. And I think it must it must be really hard. Well, it's hard for everyone, isn't it? But I think a lot of books are in September now, and I, I just think it's really hard, isn't it? You know, it's... You know, there must be so many thoughts of getting lost. In a way, in the pandemic, I think, oh, I've probably not sold as many as I might have done, or maybe I've sold more. You just don't know, do you? No. It's really, no. It's really difficult. Like You can only do what you can only do and just leave it to the publishers, I think. Yeah. Because I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. I think you... you... Your book uh, cover, by the way, is very striking, and it sits. I, I would look at that in a shop and think psychological thriller. Yeah, I think you know, you know, and, and I'm a big fan of. I think. I mean, it's always nice to have like a slightly different cover in some ways, but I I like to be able to see what it is I'm looking for, and so I, I it absolutely ticks all the boxes of a psychological thriller. So uh, it is quite striking. People should check that out online for sure. And so you mentioned the second book, and having sent that off, tell us a bit about that. What's happening there? What kind of What's the deal, and uh, is it kind of any kind of sequel or standalones? How, how are we going forward here? Um, it's a little bit of a spoiler, but it's definitely a sequel. So it's the same detectives in the um, second book. So DC Loxton and Kowalski are off again on another um, investigation, but this time it's it's a bit more personal because it's um, DC Loxton's colleagues she used to work with on the murder squad start going missing. So female DC start going missing. So that's how it starts the book. And it's going to be called Your Life or Mine. So, yeah, it's, it's exciting. And it's a bit more about the police this time, but it's still got an element of psychological thriller because you don't know who to trust and what's going on. Yeah. You know. do, you, do you feel a pressure to get the procedure right? coming from that background or do you allow yourself some artistic license or do you go to colleagues and say is this right because you know with all the best will in the world I like to think I'm quite good at my day job but you sometimes do seek opinions on things <laughs> oh yeah and things have changed so much as well in the year and a half out now like they've had a massive restructure so all my <laughs> all the names I use like for the the murder squad and different things even Subic Borough they now merged with Lambeth, so it's all changed, and it'll change again. So I, I don't think people should worry too much. And as a police officer, I read crime books, and I think, oh, that's not quite right. But as long as the story's good, who cares? That's what I think. So I don't worry too much. Um, it's, it's quite funny because it's a fiction, so 
you know, it's not not really to real life because the police is a little bit boring at times. You know, you sat there up to your arms and paperwork and risk assessments. People don't want to read about that. So um, my colleagues do say, can you not put that in? And show show them how hard that is. And I'm like, no one cares about that. No one wants to read that. They want sympathy via your readers. That's what it is. Because I was going to say, what do your colleagues make of it all? And if they read it, what do they think about knowing somebody who's writing books? Uh, They love it. They've been really supportive. Um, And it's quite funny because I was a bit silly. I used a lot of surnames from the police for my own entertainment. (laughs) And uh, that's come back to bite me. Yes, I was going to say, I bet you they go, oh, I'm not that character, am I? Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, people have been a bit unhappy. But I'm like, I'm just trying to put as many surnames in. Come on, you should be happy. Okay, you're you're a baddie, but never mind. Mm. You know, it's, it's quite funny. And there is definitely, in the book, um, quite a lot of colleagues, like, uh, you know, they're based on real people, aren't they? Or a mix of real people. And some of them, like DC Locksman, it's people I admire in the police. A bit of, you know, a little bit of me, but a little bit of the people I admire. So it's quite nice. And some people have recognised themselves, which is a bit worrying. <laughs> yeah. You I'm, can't help it. But do you guys find that? Do you write, you know, Chris, do you put people in you now or pepper it with a little bit of real life? Um, definitely, definitely aspects of people. Um, I, don't, I don't think I've lifted someone like wholesale before just because i'm i'm so worried of <laughs> legal repercussions probably <laughs> um, but bits and pieces yeah i was gonna say i hope not chris because some of your baddies are really malicious horrible people so uh, uh, you're right a great baddie totally, wouldn't be totally fictitious <laughs> yes yes of course <laughs> I, I find it's more it's not necessarily like physical appearance or anything it's the it's the way the characters are and I think if you're doing somebody in a reasonably negative, like like aggressive or however they might be, I think the people that that might be based on would probably not have the wherewithal to know that it was them because I think people who are that way don't realise how they are. Um, so, I mean, it's like, yeah, I, I think some of my... So I can think of one specific character who's a, a boss, a bit of a bully, and, and, and it's based on about 10 people I've come across in my life. And it's just a mixed match of kind of all those qualities that those kinds of people have. So um, if you look hard enough, stuff's in there, isn't it? Let's let's be honest. I do have a couple of friends that like to be named in books. And I, I've steered away from that to some degree, one or two names. Certainly book three, at the minute, the, the, the main victim is a friend of mine in terms of the name. So I'm assuming she'll probably quite enjoy that. Um, <laughs> we, we shall see if I ever get it written. And so... so are you going to keep writing? Do you have a deal for any more, Vicky? Are you going to keep writing in that series? Do you have ideas for other things? What's What do you view long-term for you? Um, I have, I've got an idea for book three, and it can either be a standalone or it can have, you know, it'd be like the first one, it'd be the detectives and then a, a protagonist, female protagonist, and, it, a, you know, a normal person thrown into an extraordinary situation. So it could be a standalone or it could be, DC Loxman and Kowalski, and so it depends if what people want, you know. And basically, I haven't got a, another book contract yet. Yeah. Um, depends how it sells, I guess. Like, yeah. you know, we'll see what happens. But I'll start writing. I've started writing it anyway, and um, yeah, see what happens. Absolutely. You just, I think that's what you have to. You just, you know, I'm still very new at this, but I assume you go out of contract 
you pitch your ideas to them and see if they like it. That's what I imagine. Yeah. 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 I think keeping writing along the way is, is, is the, the route to take, really. So, so where can people find you online then? Well, online, I am on Twitter and um, Instagram, and I've got a website, but my Twitter is at vbradleywriter. My website is vickybradleywriter.com, and there's a little bit of a theme. And my Instagram <laughs> is vickybradleywriter. So, yeah, that's where they can find me. I'm pretty much an editor, so <laughs> it should be a bit fun. So we have three questions we put to every uh, person who comes on the show. Uh, question one for you before we go is, if your house burned down, other than, you know, getting your detective head on and figuring out who did it, um, which book would you save from the burning wreckage if you could only save one it's not your own? Yeah, imagine if you said my own book. My yeah. own. Um, probably Lord of the Rings. Um, by talking, J.R. Tolkien, because I just love that book. And it's something my whole family read together. And it was just, I think that's what, that book made me think, oh, I want to be a writer. I think I read it when I was 10. And it yeah. was just, it's just, I don't know. I bet a lot of people would say that one. Which but is, it's, it's interesting now, because I watched the film and it made me want to be an elf rather than a writer. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. so question two is, if you were on death row, what would your last meal request be? Um, you probably wouldn't want to eat anything, but I think for me, chips and gravy. Because <laughs> I'm northern and I just think, yeah, chips and gravy. Yeah, good shout. And then finally, peanut butter, smooth or crunchy? Uh, crunchy? Yeah, crunchy, I think. Okay. Yeah. Vicky Bradley. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Vicky Bradley, thank you very much for coming on the Northern Crime Syndicate podcast today. Thank you very much. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Okay, we're in the after show segment of the Northern Crime Syndicate podcast with me, your host, Ian Peacock, and co-host, Chris McGeorge. Hello. So, thoughts on that then, Chris? That went uh, really well. I mean, it's always uh, it's always good to catch up, you know, because uh, me and Vicky, we go, <laughs> we go back. Uh, we were on the course together, and uh, as she said, we're, we were in the, the same seminar group together, so... We actually, um, you know, we saw both, like, with me, it was Guess Who. With her, it was um, Before I Say I Do. Um, we kind of read each other's books as they were going along. Um, so it was it's, it was definitely uh, very interesting to kind of read it when it was actually out. And, uh, you know, seeing little bits that I'd read, <laughs> I'd read before years ago. Yeah. yeah. So is yeah. it like every time somebody from the course sort of gets a deal, it's like you, you because I imagine you would feel a real sense of like, oh, amazing, like another from my cohort who's kind of published now. Oh, ab absolutely, and uh, yeah, I mean, um, especially that year, um, that year at uh, the Creative Writing City University. It, it produced quite a few a few writers, which is always good to see. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and do you know fancy doing a police procedural, given that you've got a contact now who could give you all the answers, you know? <laughs> it's a, uh, I mean, there's always, there's, there's always going to be police in the background, probably, in my books. But um, 
I don't know. I feel like it's it's just too many details to get right. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, yeah. I, deli- yeah. I sort of deliberately engineered a scenario in book two where the police, it wasn't very police procedurally. Um, yeah. And I think that's the beginning of me moving away. I think once I've done the third one as like a trilogy, I'll probably set this as, unless, yeah, yeah. you know, unless you know, maybe I'll think otherwise, who knows? Um, I'm thinking standalones and, and something yeah. with a bit of freedom. Um, lots of violence, but like a bit of freedom at the same time, you know? Uh, um, so what's cracking with you then? Cause obviously the book's still inside out is due out later this year. Uh, it's out on the 29th of October, and that still hasn't changed. I'm, I'm cautiously waiting for it to maybe change, but it still hasn't. Um, and currently I'm writing uh, book four, and wow. um, so I'm back to not being able to talk about something. <laughs> so you can't, you can't tell, can I give it any inside scoop at all on the Northern Crime Syndicate podcast? Just some kind uh, of like world exclusive? Um, it's It's... it's the first one that's uh, because I'm now in the Norman Grant syndicate, um, I thought I'd better justify myself a little bit more. And so it's set in Chesler Street, um, okay, not far from our yeah. work, yeah, yeah. So, um, this one's actually in the northeast, so there you go, there's a bit of an exclusive. So, that's all we're gonna get, is it? Oh, um, it's about it's about radio. Oh, okay, yeah. interesting, yeah. yeah. And wh- so where do you come up with these ideas? Because it's not like, like I can go, right, I've got the set of characters now. I just need a new crime or a murder and off the go. So how do you formulate your ideas for your writing? Um, it really just, um, I don't know. It's it, it hinges on, sometimes I, I find something that that is just, you know, has a little sort of spark, like... Um, the the one I I go to most is now you see me. Mm-hmm. Um, I was watching just something on on TV, and then Great Canal Journeys came on, and they were going through Stand Edge Tunnel, and I thought, oh, that's really that's an interesting place. And then you know, it just all kind of came from there. Um, for book four, um, I used to volunteer at hospital radio mm-hmm. in Dryburn and Durham. Um and that's kind of where that came from. Right. Um, so there's yeah, there's little bits everywhere that kind of just sort of snowballed. Mm. Fun fact for you, I once for about six months or so I hosted a local radio show for Spark FM, the Sunderland University oh, yes. um, yeah. station. Yeah, quite when I, I did a bit of radio at uni when I did my music degree. And I was teaching radio at the local college that I worked at. And I just thought I'd best get some industry experience here. And in the, you know, with the BBC seemingly not interested, uh, I went to Spark and did a show there. It was, it was a great experience, you know. I enjoyed that. So I think I'll be super interested in reading that book, Chris, when it's, yeah. when it's done. So you're yeah. all right other than that? How are you keeping? Anything exciting going on? Yeah, in your not life? too bad. It's all, uh, you know, it's all a bit weird at the moment in real life, isn't it? Um, no. We're starting to get back to normality, but it it was almost like when it was all or nothing, I could get that. But now it's this yeah. kind of weird grey area, isn't it, where between, nothing makes any just sense. In between and and you're seeing people outside maybe acting like it's all over, but it's not all over. It's 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 odd. It's very odd. But uh, I'm keeping okay. Yeah. Well, that's good to hear. Are you reading anything right now? Um well, I'm rereading an Agatha Christie, um, which 
it sort of pertains to the, the book four a little bit. Um, but I've also got into uh, horror manga, <laughs> um, uh, Junji Ito or Itu, um, kind of the, the masterpiece of, of horror manga um, stuff. So I've been reading quite a lot of that. Um, which is, I totally recommend that. It's it's fabulous. Okay, yeah, I'll have to check that out then. That's not something I would ordinarily read or look at, but I will take that into account and uh, scope it out. It's the least I can do, given that you've uh, given me many hours of pleasure reading your book so far, Chris, and I can't wait for the third one, I have to say. <laughs> so I did, uh, I did really enjoy it. I, think, I, I really did love the second one. I think um, Now You See Me has some great baddies in it. Um, yeah, just... Yeah, trying to wrap yeah. my head around what was going on I, I wasn't I wasn't getting it like you know and I think that's a, that's a positive thing it wasn't like you know when it when it happens you go ah oh, I knew that yeah. I guessed on page three so your books do keep me guessing so I really like that about about your work so yeah thank you for coming on today and co-hosting uh, with our guest and we will speak soon bye